Welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari Shrike, the artist and creator behind Not Sorry Art. I'm so excited to talk art and creativity with you. So grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's dive in. I also wanted to say that today's episode is sponsored by my book. I have a book coming out. I'm so proud of this, guys. Um, the links are already up. I'll have them in the show notes. But the book is called Modern Still Life, From Fruit Bowls to Disco Balls. It is my take on a step-by-step painting book. I am really excited about it. Not only does it have like motivational tips and tricks to keep you going in your practice, but it also has clear and beautiful and full color breakdowns of the step-by-step process in my paintings. So I could not be more excited about it. If you wanted to check it out, pre-order it, it would help me more than you even know. Hello, welcome back to my studio. I'm Sari, thanks for being here. Today's episode is about finding your center. Okay, that sounds way too ambiguous, I know. But basically, the short of it is, there is a little bit of TikTok drama that I'm responding to. No, not about me. I'm not naming names, but it was good fodder for an idea that I've been sort of incubating for a little bit. And that is the importance of really valuing yourself as an artist, an artisan, a small business, however those titles apply to you. I think when you're navigating the internet, and I would say maybe even especially in an era of growing income inequality, I certainly, you'll understand more as I get into it, but I certainly think that's a factor in how we value our artwork, literally in the price, but then also in how we show up on social media. And so in this episode, I am going to talk about how to do that, you know, how to find your center, how you can tie that into your social media strategy, and a little bit of like love and guidance for artists, especially if you ever find yourself in a position where the internet is picking apart your prices. (laughs) I kind of just want to give some like big sister love to that particular dynamic if that sounds interesting to you if you want to hear I think one of my best pieces of advice if you're going to have a platform on the internet especially if you're going to sell stuff on that platform then stay tuned thanks for being here and let's just dive into the episode okay let's dive in to the tea as the youths would say again I'm not naming names this isn't specific and I will say some version of this happens on the internet every couple of months uh sometimes it's a larger scale (laughs) issue and other times it's not but this took place in Australia of all places beautiful amazing sunny Australia and there was an influencer who went to a handmade market pop-up type event and they bought a ceramic piece and at checkout the price was sprung upon them and they were a little bit taken aback And like anyone, (laughs) a lot of us would do, they heard the price, they were already engaging in transaction. And so they bought, they bought it. And now granted, bearing in mind that there is probably to some degree, a little bit of pricing difference between the Australian dollar and the US dollar. Anyways, this influencer bought the cup, they got home, they were thrown off enough by the price that they decided to make a video about it. I will say to that influencer's credit, They didn't call out this creator by name. (laughs) They just said the market. And I think they were blowing off steam. I mean, if you follow enough influencers, that's kind of the name of the game. And then this ceramic artist responded in a video that I think was mostly fair, but it was a little on the defensive side, which I'm, I'm bringing that up because that's sort of the impetus for this video. I think I would have little to no remarks if I didn't see 
if I didn't understand where her defensiveness was coming and have felt it in myself, right? I'm not trying to pick on anyone at all, <laughs> at all. But I do, I do understand exactly where that emotion is coming from. So I wanted to work through how I have worked through that. And I think more practically where we can use our strengths as artists and small business owners and artisans, we can use some of that defensive energy and turn it into good fuel for content and for context most importantly when we're trying to sell something uh, online the ceramicist response was valid and I think they mentioned you know the labor that goes into it and that they're a small business owner and I found myself in a wormhole where other ceramicists were chiming in and saying listen red pigment is really expensive I know as a painter red pigment is really expensive (laughs) And I thought it was really interesting that the comments were pretty divided. And that's, again, more clues that there is nuance to be had here. A lot of people were saying that that price, I believe it was $120 Australian, was way too much. And this also comes off the heels of another conversation around pricing with a food creator named Emily Mariko. She makes these very simplistic, minimal aesthetic food videos, which are nice. They stumble across my For You page from time to time. And she is now in a position where she's selling tote bags. The price, again, was also considered by the public to be very high. (laughs) And there's a lot of fodder around that. And what is the real cost of things? And before I zoom in and kind of give more practical advice for creators and artists, I think it's important to kind of get a lay of the land. I mentioned inequality at the top of the show. And I think you can't sell art in a vacuum. (laughs) So you have to take that into account. You know, as a side, as a little throwaway statement, I wish we approached pay transparency with the same fervor, intensity, and scale at which we talk about how businesses price their products. You know, it's, I wish that people were just as adamant about, you know, grilling people who pay fast food workers and other people in the service industry, you know, wow, you think $100 for a day's labor is enough? Like, I wish people were just as adamant about that. But anyways, but I think in this situation, in the same way that I feel sort of love and endearment and understanding for the ceramicist, I also have that for people who think that that amount of money is too much. And that's kind of the the tough thing. Like, how do you hold space for both? How do you, as a someone who sells something, you know, how do you sell a print for $50 at the same time as like having a tremendous amount of respect for your audience, which might include a lot of people who don't get paid, you know, who barely get paid that much in a day. Like, how do you hold those two things? Well, the short kind of glib answer is like have boundaries, you know, in the same way that whenever I worked a service industry job, I sort of could clock in and had to kind of brace myself for like, yes, I was getting paycheck, but I was also going to have to deal with people getting mad that the ice cream raised prices or that we are limiting our pecans to 12 pecans on an ice cream sundae. Like in the same way that you sort of brace yourself in any job, I think as small business owners, we have to sort of understand that. I will say getting into like the meaningful practical advice of this episode the beauty of being an artist, artisan, small business owners. I'm going to use those all three kind of interchangeably. There's this desire to have those three things be really distinct from one another. I think the lines between them are blurring more and more by the day, which is a good thing. It's a net positive. I think in a lot of ways the world is moving in the right direction, 
thanks to social media. But I think the good thing about being an artist is that you're not selling people water, you're not selling people food, you're not selling people a basic service or utility. If people don't like your prices, they're going to say you're out of touch, they don't like it, um, that's ridiculous. And then you don't have to feel worse than that. And that's not the internet. People being unkind on the internet, it gets to you. I totally, 100%. I get it. I get it. I get it. But (laughs) it's not the same as being a utility company in the middle of winter and jacking up your prices because there's no regulation and you can do it. Where there is an ethical issue, I think the trick in pricing your artwork as a visual artist on one hand is yes, pricing it in a way where it will sell. Is there an audience? Can you charge $120 for a mug? And in the case of this particular ceramicist, she absolutely can. She um, obviously wouldn't have been let into this market. They usually have thresholds for these markets. If you didn't have like proof of sales, she has a tremendous social media following. I mean, multiple millions. And so what I think is happening is this influencer who went to the shop and bought from this ceramicist she probably got sticker shock because that ceramicist is pricing sure for the pigment and for her labor and to run a small business, but she can charge that because she's also amassed an audience and a a big enough audience is a wide enough net. Yes, maybe only one out of every 50 to 100 people is going to spend that much on a mug, but when your reach is 2 million, you can sustain yourself off of that kind of a price. And I think as a small artist, you sort of have to take that into account. When I first started out, I am no better than anyone. I started out with $50 watercolor pet portraits. It was kind of how I got started. (laughs) And I moved my way up slowly as my reach grew and as I could raise my price. And, you know, I spent probably two years operating, you know, just above profitable ever not certainly not enough to live on you know I also did Instacart and (laughs) did you know some odd graphic design work and stayed at home with my newborn during that time period so I wasn't sustaining myself and so I could do that for a couple of years until I got to where I could price my work at a point that I can live off which brings me to sort of the other point of this conversation some nuance and that is that I also think as an audience when it comes to non- necessary non-utilitary non you know your your water your utility etc when it comes to sort of these consumer goods people I think our pricing metric has been way 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 skewed by overseas exploited labor and obviously you can still have exploited labor in the United States we unfortunately I think most of us know that our current prison system you know pays people pennies an hour cents an hour and that's kind of a big part of our prison industrial complex so obviously we can we certainly have our own domestic exploitation also with immigrants who are not protected by even the substandard minimum wages you know they are often exploited in their labor so it exists everywhere but I think you know one thing that happened in the mid in mid 20th mid to late 20th century is as sort of unions drove up the cost of labor within the United States, which from a, you know, if you're a CEO, that's a bummer in the sense that now you have to pay, a larger part of your pie chart has to go to labor. But the practical reality of that is, you know, people could also pay their way through college on a part-time job. You know, we hear that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, At some point, because the role of capitalism is to grow and expand forever and ever amen (laughs) you know ceos wanted to find a different way to get cheaper labor and we have laws like nafta which got rid of tariffs which made cheap labor 
you know, more accessible. And, you know, there, there's nuances, conversation. Just because something gets made overseas doesn't necessarily mean it's exploited. But other nations that have been pillaged by, you know, the United States, lots of Europe, <laughs> basically their quality of life is much lower. And so you can, you know, you can pay someone $2 a day to work on making ceramic mugs. And so because of these unfortunate sort of global issues and because of, you know, feeling inflation, certainly in the United States and I'm sure in Australia as well, you know, people are frustrated with the price of things. Usually go to the grocery store and it's devastating because it's not like you can completely cut back on groceries. And it's easy to see something like a mug and kind of let your anger out on that it feels unreasonable I can go to Marshall's and find a very similar mug probably <laughs> something in the same cutesy mushroom vein and it's only going to cost me $16 and so of course of course to a lot of people that price is going to seem wild now as an artist it's important to know that you create your own context if you don't have any context you are for a lot of people on the same shelf as a $16 mug. And you might make this beautiful artisanal mug, not on exploited labor. You pay your employees well, um, you pay yourself well, hopefully, you know, and you don't have the benefit and the scale of a larger company. And so you as an artist have to fight for your own context. And this is where I'm getting into sort of what I would call like the advice part of this video. Okay, Sari, like how do I create my own context? That sounds kind of abstract I don't know what that means it means that I had I wish this um, creator the ceramicist this artist would have put her energy <laughs> into kind of explaining why her prices are the way they are and not in a way to like win over everyone but to create the correct environment for someone who's already sort of primed to buy art at that price point point. and it's another aspect of this that's really challenging is a lot of times as artisans smaller artists, small business owners, you know, especially if you have like an arts kind of background, you are this close <laughs> to the fine art world, TM, okay? You know, the art world is big. It's anyone who buys art, congrats, you're part of the art world. But there's the more upper echelon of the art world, the Christie's <laughs> of it all. And, you know, you see every once in a while an article of someone who, you know, tapes a banana to a wall and it's worth you know, $200,000 or whatever. And that being a more at a more extreme of our own industry can be a very disorienting thing to have to sort of cope with, which is another reason why create your own context, be aware of your own context. You know, if you're not in one of those galleries, it's going to be harder to sort of justify that price. But if you feel the same with both extremes, if you're like, listen, I'm not in a position to try to price this mug for $300,000 and call it conceptual, and you're also not in a position to mass make these uh, mugs and compete with the likes of Hobby Lobby and Marshalls, then you have to be able to sort of justify and orient yourself. So this brings me to, you know, so how do you price your artwork as an artist? You know, I've given this equation out many, many, many times. Try to remove the morality of it, the good, the bad, and just think of it like this. First, calculate the price of everything everything that goes into your art making. <laughs> That's not only, you know, the paint and the cost of the brushes and the canvas, but also how much does it cost for you to run your studio? How much do you have anyone who works with you? Does someone do your taxes? Are you paying for legal Zoom? Everything that you can think of, try to the best of your ability, and you may need to math and math hard to factor all of those things into the price of all of your work. 
And then you have the aspect of your art that's going to position you somewhere between that Marshall's $16 mug and that conceptual $300, let's call it a banana mug. <laughs> and that is your the product and then your name. So whenever you're not selling your artwork with a name behind it, you are competing with the Marshall's mug <laughs> because the Marshall's mug is doesn't need context. It's simply based off of price and convenience and familiarity. You know, you are in a Michael's, you are where someone goes to casually peruse and maybe impulse buy something. And so the person whose business strategy is to make a $16 mug, part of their business strategies is putting their work in retail and getting the price of um, the wholesale product low as possible and doing all of these sort of MBA level, um, you know, slights of hand, wholesale purchasing, blah, blah, blah. All of that is sort of factoring into that person's business model. If you and I, small business owner to small business owner, tried to compete with them, we would go out of business. We don't have the scale. We don't have the strategy. We don't have the capital. And so the other thing that you lean into is your name. What is in a name? So again, you have two parts of this equation. The part of the equation that that person who's selling the Marshall's mug does, which is cost, you know, all of those things that go into uh, the exact cost of making that. And then you have your name. Your name is going to tie into your social media strategy. It's going to tie into where and what markets you go to. It's going to tie into how you curate your website. It's going to tie into how many years you've been doing this. Do you have an art degree? Are you saying something special? Are you doing something novel? Are you a person worth investing in? Are you from a marginalized community? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your name is your name. Think of your signature. Think of your logo. And it's also everything that you stand for on social media. That's why telling your story on social media isn't some just self-congratulatory act. You're actually, to the best of your ability, creating your own context to justify paying $70 for the mug, $100 for the mug, $120 for that mug. And the thing is, someone who's more likely to buy that Marshall's mug, and there's nothing wrong with that, most of my life, that would have been my only chance at buying a mug. Truthfully, I was shopping at Goodwill. <laughs> they might still respect what you're doing, but be like, I can't buy that. There are people who are going to be actively mad that you're charging that much. I don't know how to, that is just misplaced frustration. They're mad at capitalism. Again, you have to have grace for that. I get it. And the same way that I have space for someone who has clearly having a bad day and can get on social media and chew me out for like the most innocuous posts ever. I know that that's not about me. They're struggling. Now, enough people say something that they're misinterpreting something. That is data. I will take that into account. But it's just the price of being on the internet. In the same way that the internet is magical, you can post a painting and the next day someone bought it and you're connected over your story and that artwork, it feels like truly as close to magic as I've ever felt. At the same token, you get people who are just having a bad day. That's the price for the internet. But who you are selling to is someone who identifies with your story, their values line up with buying from a small business person, and their budget lines up. It's not just budget. You know, there are plenty of people who make lots and lots of money, who have lots of expendable income, and they still might choose that Marshall's $16 mug over an artisan handcrafted mug any day of the week. That just reflects their values and what they're looking for. And there might be someone who is on a budget and might save up for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and maybe even a year to buy that really nice mug because they're 
their values are going to align with what you're doing. I know plenty of people. In fact, I would argue that the whole sector of artisans is being propped up by people who love supporting small businesses. It is their bread and butter. They love when you come over. I know I, I'm a little like this, but also, I mean, now that I have, I'm, I try to invest as much of my extra money into buying from other small artists so you know guilty but I also am friends with a lot of people who when you go to their house they will take you on a little guided tour of their house and the artist who made this rug and the artist who made that wall hanging and this sculpture and that light fixture and this mug and they enjoy it they love the idea that they're supporting a small business it lines up with their ethics it lines up with they enjoy the act of purchasing art like they and so they're going to get it. They're going to they're going to smell what you're cooking online metaphorically. And, you know, that's kind of who we're talking to. You cannot bully someone who has no interest in that and is going to be the purchaser of the $16 Marshall's mug into being that other person. That's why defensiveness will never work. You and I get it. And, and I and let me just say, if that person that ceramicist wanted to sit down and have coffee with me, I am a great person to vent to. I would be like, yes, it is unfair. That's not right. I would be your biggest fan. <laughs> but from like business owner to business owner, and, and maybe, maybe you know, a little in- internet drama is part of their strategy. I will save space that maybe that's the case. But assuming that they're not wanting all this smoke, defensiveness does not translate well <laughs> on the internet. It can work for some people, but I find it's tricky, tricky, tricky. And I've largely avoided it for that reason. You know, I think the thing you have to do is put that energy, you know, and maybe it is, it's that catalytic energy of like, oh, I've got to say something. They're misunderstanding me. I know I'm doing something good with my business. I'm supporting people. I am creative. I run a business well. I worked really hard on this. And and totally, totally. I looked through that person's account. They are very impressive. They are skilled. They're good at what they do. They're good at communicating on social media. And they, I I don't feel as though that price is crazy. I don't think I'm in a position right now to buy that and plus shipping from Australia. But I get it. And like kudos to that person. But if she has that sort of catalytic, I need to do something about this. I need to say something energy. And if you you ever feel that, I'm using this person as an example, but hope I hope this translates to y'all. But if you ever feel that, Write down all those reasons why your cup is worth it. Write them all down. Journal it. Journal it stream of consciousness style, right? And then later when you're in a better place, you've had some coffee, you've slept, you've you've group chatted it out a little bit, (laughs) then go and look at each one of those points and you can make a social media post about all of those things. You can tie it into your artist statement. I always think an artist statement is not too far from a good marketing campaign. Like they are their cousins. (laughs) And so... That frustration because you know your art is worth it. You know, one one point, okay, the red pigment is really expensive. That could be its own post. And you're not going to win over the person who wants to buy the Marshall $16 mug. Probably going to go over their head. Probably won't get a lot of reach. But to the person who already shares similar values to how you're pricing things, that might need that might be what they need to hear to want to buy it. Because then when they pick up the mug, they're going to be like, hey, this red pigment is really you know, rare and expensive and hard to get and whatever. It's the same reason that companies will lean into stuff about sustainability. One could call some of it greenwashing, but they know that as a consumer, if they will pay extra if they know that you aren't mining the mica that makes whatever you're buying sparkly from 
a place that implores child labor, which is unfortunately very common whenever you're looking into buying mica, the, the shiny stuff that usually makes makeup shimmery. And so someone's going to be willing to pay more for that if they know that that's part of the process or rather that that's not part of the process. And so it's just important as people who are selling online to to price your artwork and be 100% confident in how you're pricing it. And then to build a social media strategy in a non-defensive way of why that's worth it. What skills do you have that go into your pricing? And so to sort of finish off what I was saying about the pricing model, you know, the last kind of thing I'll say is you, you take your price of your raw materials and everything that goes into the construction of that. And then the other thing you have to figure out is the price of your name. And that's going to be things like how long have you been making art? You know, they have things online called art, fine art price calculators. They're not a an end all. Don't go there and then just use whatever price they generate. But what I did in the very beginning, because I didn't have anyone to ask and I felt really lost and art school taught me how to make good art and good artist statement, but they did not teach me how to run a business was I I priced how much it cost to make everything. I paid myself 20 bucks an hour. <laughs> and then when I priced my name, I found other artists who were making similar-ish work in a similar-ish region to me. And then I compared. I used it. I thought of it like data points, right? Non-good or bad, just data points. I priced it all kind of on a graph. I priced what a couple of those fine art generators said. And knowing that I could never, even if my work was on sale, cut below that cost to make it that's I still hold true to that even if I have a really good Black Friday deal it never goes below my I don't want to lose money on my artwork (laughs) I only ever cut into the part of my artwork that is my name anyways you take all of those data points together however you want to see them and you find something in the middle and you start there and as your experience grows maybe as your audience grows maybe as your audience becomes more specific it doesn't always have to be growth you can then modify your price. You know, if you do a really good marketing campaign, then you can price your work differently, maybe more. And that is always going to be something that you have to figure out. And the last thing I'll say is there are always going to be people who criticize your prices. It's just part of selling any good online. It's part of it. And I think the trick is, you know, criticism never hurts if you're confident and whatever they're criticizing, or if they're criticizing something that you don't have a shared value in. Someone came up to me and said, your pink hair is so unnatural and so gross. I hate it. <laughs> I am so confident. I love it. I think a hair is so, it doesn't matter. And then also, I don't get too angry when people attack my looks as much because that's not what I value as much. I mean, I'm not impervious. I don't, like, yeah, enough bad comments will on the wrong day will hurt my feelings don't be mean to me but if somebody were to criticize let's say I shared something about my parenting and somebody who I shared values with let's say they were like a gentle parenting coach was like you are really off base you are gonna hurt your kids I would probably not be able to function for a couple days and so if you're confident in your pricing if you've done the homework if you've done the research if you're clear on who you're trying to reach, if you're clear on your prices, if you're like, listen, I'm doing a good thing by paying my employees this much money. I know that this costs this much. I live in a high cost of living city. I do a really good job being consistent in my marketing campaign. If you're confident in all of those things, someone trying to compare what you're doing to a $16 Marshall's mug won't 
hurt as much. We're all sensitive. Depends on where your water placements are, but ideally it doesn't hurt as bad. I see a lot of artists who will often sort of respond to that criticism by offering something that's less expensive, like stickers. I think that's great. I think that's a wonderful thing. I certainly have my business broke down to where I have different tiers. One thing I do is I sell little pieces of my drop cloth because it gets really thick and gunky and textural, which I really like. And while I know some people are print people and some people are originals people, I always had a sympathetic spot in my heart for someone who loves an original. Like they want to feel the paint but they can't buy an original. It's just out of their price range. So I I price them at like $10 <laughs> um, and I sell them in little frames and I do curate them so that they, they look like nice little abstract art. And I sell those and I do that with the goal of I'm pretty much just breaking even, but I'm offering sort of a service to someone who has that. And so there's a lot more to choose from for my website. But you don't have to do that. What I do think you have to do for people who don't get your work and they don't get your price is treat where they're coming from with like understanding and grace. I mean, feel free to block. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your social media. But I think before anything else, it's important to know like, you know, not everyone shares those values and people are frustrated about prices. We're living through an inflation crisis and I think now more than ever artists need to become really resolved in how they're pricing things and if you are pricing it you're like listen I can't go lower this makes sense. I, I just I beg you to be confident in that and come up with content justifying that and it doesn't have to come off defensive. Again last thing just it can be this is this pigment this is the history of it this is how it costs so much or I spent three years backpacking through whatever to gain this experience and this is why I'm paying for it. So that that's my recommendation. That's, you know, I probably didn't hit all the points on there and there's a lot more to be said about it. Pricing your artwork is incredibly vulnerable and nuanced, but I feel like that's kind of the key takeaways that I would have known because I, I read all those comments and I know that if Sari of 2015 or 16 had read those comments it would have freaked me out pricing my artwork <laughs> and so I wanted to sort of combat that a little bit and offer just some some nuance thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode let me know if you have any questions down below I hope this was a helpful empowering episode to offer some some insight I didn't drive home the message on the Emily Mariko bag I just wanted to I think bring up that it was like a contentious lightning rod of an issue but I will say circling back to that if I can tie up a loose end here <laughs> I think Emily Mariko is a very very smart person I get that vibe from her I think you don't end up that consistently successful without being intelligent in my humble opinion and I think she knew that there was a market for that and I think any good business strategist knows that when you're creating content you're casting a wide net and when you're pricing something you're you're very specifically reining in a customer profile and I think I think we are all just experiencing that you know and it's it doesn't always feel good right I little like I one thing I thought about making like a whole series on is you don't hate influencers you just hate capitalism and when you have an influencer you have a person who's sort of embodying some of the tenets of capitalism and capitalism is very cutthroat and very competitive 
and to a lot of people very off-putting and dehumanizing when it's attached to necessities in my opinion anyways thank you so much for listening let me know if you have any thoughts feedback I've gotten some of you guys to email me after listening and let me just tell you I deeply appreciate those I love the insight Uh, feel free to leave any reviews they always help and with that I'll talk to you guys next week Real quick, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who took the time to leave a review over on Spotify. It helps more than you guys know. So a huge thank you to Cindy Walter, Missy B, Soli Moly, <laughs> um, that's S-O-I-M-O-L-I, and it looks like at S-C Lopez 7. Thank you guys so much. Again, it means the world. And if you'd like to have your name or handle read off on next week's episode, make sure to leave a review. Let me know how it's going, what you like. Feedback is always valued tremendously over here. Thank you and happy creating.